Good afternoon. My name is Dr. Theodore Avery Cox, Acting Administrator of the Greater Ithaca Public Library Archives Division. As part of my job here at the IPL, I sometimes stumble upon rare or never-before-seen works from local authors of yesteryear. One of those authors is Matt Christopher. Mr. Christopher was a prolific author of sports books for children at the 3rd to 5th grade reading level. He published titles such as Tough to Tackle and The Basket Counts all the way up to his death in 1997. What few fans of Mr. Christopher are aware of, however, is that his long and illustrious career took a brief detour in the early 70s. After the smashing success of his early novels like 1972's classic The Kid Who Only Hit Homers and 1964's landmark Catcher with a Glass Arm, Mr. Christopher decided he had taken the children's sports chapter book genre as far as it could go. In fact, at the time, he thought he took it too far. A child who could only hit home runs, Mr. Christopher wrote in his personal journal. Certainly the most absurd idea for a children's sports story that I could ever come up with. I'm a hack. Finished dried out of ideas like an old dry peach left out in the Ithaca sun. They've squeezed all my juice, these children. My precious juice. I fear I must move past the sports chapter books for kids' genre altogether. Also, I think I'm in love. And it's not who you think, diary. More on that next time. Sincerely, Matt Christopher, September 11th, 1972. And move past that genre he did. Mr. Christopher, then a 56-year-old empty nester looking for love, decided he would graduate to writing sports chapter books for adults. In 1973, Christopher wrote the book I present to you today, The Second Baseman Has Butterfeet his first and only known sports book for adults, signed under his new, more mature pen name, Matthew Christopher. Noticeably struggling to write outside of his proven formula, Christopher opined in personal journal entries of the time that the second baseman has butterfeet turned out, quote, exactly like his other books, but with sex stuff, bathroom humor, and swears. The book was, tragically, never published. Until now. The following novel is available posthumously to you through the Ithaca Public Library's Forgotten and Bad Books series, which you can learn more about at the library website, which is full of free downloads of forgotten and absolute dog shit books. So, without further ado... I, Doc Cox, and the Ithaca Public Library present The Second Basement Has Butterfeet by Matthew Christopher. Copyright 1973. Read by Ben Wheatmartian. Copyright 2022. Mr. Wheatmartian won a contest from a magazine, and this was the prize.
The Second Baseman Has Butterfeet by Matthew Christopher. Read by me, Ben Wheatmartian, because I won a contest from Dorks Magazine. Chapter 1 The Beginning. Thwack! The batted baseball skidded across the dirt infield like a wet pine cone on ice, just out of reach of the shortstop's glove and into left field. The batter rounded first base threateningly, but a quick scoop and throw by the left fielder to the second baseman, Ezekiel Stanton, put the brakes on any thoughts the batter had of a double, safely in his mitt and standing over second base. Ezekiel Stanton, the new Banyan Olives Little League second baseman, felt the thrill of holding the baseball during live game action. To Ezekiel, nothing was better than being the one with the ball, the one with all the power, the one everyone looked at. Clenched tightly in his 12-year-old fist, arm poised in the exaggerated, I could throw this at any time position, Ezekiel felt the jolt of his immediate relevance. No one is more important than me right now, Ezekiel thought to himself. I want this feeling to last forever. This was the kind of feeling that made Ezekiel want to be a professional baseball player when he grew up. But Ezekiel's thrill was quickly held in check by the realization that now a runner was going to be on first base with only one out, which means that if the next batter hit a grounder to the left side of the infield, he might have to try and turn a double play. Ezekiel knew that meant trouble. It wasn't that Ezekiel wasn't able to catch the ball. Catching the ball was the first part of turning a double play. And Ezekiel also knew he could do the third and final part of turning a double play in his sleep, throwing the ball to the first baseman, who happened to be Beans Beans Mitchell, Ezekiel's best friend. It was the middle part of the double play that Ezekiel struggled with, tapping the base with his toe and then swirling around his planted foot before the throw. Step, swirl, step, throw. It should be simple for someone with Ezekiel's baseball talent. But no matter how much he practiced, Ezekiel couldn't figure out why he couldn't make the double play without slipping, falling down, and eating shit. Ezekiel was the best 12-year-old baseball player in the city. He was hitting for an average over 600, an on-base percentage over 750, and an unbelievable OPS north of 1,500. Even though he was still a few years shy of puberty, Ezekiel was a prospect. The only hole in his game was turning that double play. Something Ezekiel thought about incessantly, but coaches and scouts dismissed as an irrelevant weakness. Something practice and maturity would take care of. Someday. They assumed. Back on the field, Ezekiel tossed the ball to Hopper Hagel, the Olive's best pitcher, Ezekiel's teammate and most vocal critic. Hopper had given Ezekiel his fair share of side-eyes and ah-come-ons after botched double-play turns, and no one in the Olives' uniform wanted to experience another one of those. Hopper also was the biggest of all the 12-year-olds on the field, so his criticism carried an extra physical weight as well. Ezekiel had nightmares of Hopper chewing him out and beating him to a whiny little pulp after a failed double-play. These nightmares became the basis for a number of anxieties and phobias he would develop into adulthood. Stepping into the box was the Oldberry Orange Peel's eighth batter in the order, a skinny and short right fielder who was more afraid of the ball than a mouse was to a cheese-free mousetrap. Ezekiel knew that Hopper knew he could get this little pipsqueak to roll over a changeup, setting up another double play chance for the olive struggling second bag man. Ezekiel tried to shake it out of his mind. He crouched into fielding position and punched his glove. No grounder, no grounder, no grounder, no grounder went Ezekiel's inner monologue. Give this sniveling little worm the off-speed stuff, Hopper. Ground ball gets us two. 
is what Ezekiel actually shouted to his pitcher. The first pitch came in. Strike one, called the umpire on a heater down the middle. Strike two, yelled the ump on Hopper's second pitch. Swung and missed by the orange peel's tiny Tim of a batter, Hopper towed the rubber three times in a row, which was the thing he did every time he was about to make a big pitch. Thwink! The dainty little donut boy batter gave him a slow grounder, just the one Hopper was hoping for and Ezekiel was dreading. The slow ball gave Ezekiel and the shortstop even less room for error, getting the ball to second and then to first base. Turn two! Turn two! Came the refrain from the Olives fans before the ball even met the shortstop's mitt. Turn two, Ezekiel! Turn two! Cried the chorus in the stands. Shortstop Gumby Lawrence scooped up the grounder, planted his feet firmly, and whipped the ball side-armed like a sling into Ezekiel's mitt. Ezekiel remembered catching the ball, looking down at his right toe, tapping the bag, swinging his left foot around, and then... Ah! God damn it. Thud. When he came to, Ezekiel was on the ground, twisted into a pretzel with the ball slowly rolling a few feet in front of him, yards away from Beans Beans, who was now off first base and sprinting to pick up the blurry white and red orb that Ezekiel was straining to see. When the dust finally settled... Gumby was helping Ezekiel off the dirt and explaining what happened. Ezekiel, man, we had the orange peels hit her dead to rights at first. If you make the step, swirl, step, throw, and turn that double play, this game's over. We win. The inning's still going now. Better hope they don't get another hit. If they get another hit and win the game, then you and only you are responsible for this loss. But don't worry about it, buddy. You'll get them next time. Well, hopefully you will. Ezekiel was back on his feet and slapping the dirt off his pants while discreetly wiping a tear from his eye when the next Orange Peels batter was stepping into the batter's box. The score was Olives 4, Orange Peels 3 in the bottom of the final inning. Two outs, one Orange Peel on first. If that runner scores and the Olives lose, Gumby was right. It's all Ezekiel's fault. And apparently the Orange Peels fans in the bleachers knew it too. The chorus of chants rang down on Ezekiel. Don't Don't worry worry about a double play, Pete. The second baseman has butter feet. Don't worry about a double play, Pete. The second baseman has butter feet. Don't worry about a double play, Pete. The second baseman has butter feet. The new Orange Peel's batter's name was, apparently, Pete. And they had multiple chants ready for this very moment. Butterfeet at second. Can't turn two. Butterfeet at second's got Lando Lando Lakes on on his shoe. Butterfeet at second. Can't, can't turn, turn two. two. Butterfeet at second second got Lando Lakes on his shoe. The chants went on and on. Butterfeet. Butterfeet. The second game has got Kerry Gold on his cleat. Butterfeet. Butterfeet. The second baseman's got Kerry Gold on his cleat. The last one Ezekiel could tell wasn't just the opposing team's fans. It was everyone watching the game including his own teammates' parents. He even saw Gumby at shortstop mouthing along to the words. Catchy tune, Ezekiel had to admit. But, Butterfeet? Ezekiel pondered the phrase. It was the first time he heard it, but it wouldn't be the last. Not by a long shot. The term would create the basis for a lot more fucked-up mental shit in Ezekiel's future than any bully pitcher or even the offbeat sexual practices of his parents ever could. And is Kerrygold Butter even that popular? Ezekiel also pondered. Seems regional or kind of too fancy for a baseball chan, but whatever. Ezekiel did have butterfeet, though. Kerrygold or otherwise. He knew it. 
even if he never had a clever term for it until now. The term made sense. Butter is slippery, right? Now that he thought about it, though, is butter slippery? Certainly when it's melted, like in a pan, but on dirt? Were they also implying he couldn't stand the heat? Clever orange peels. Clever, clever boys. The orange peel boys all came from the rich part of town and went to private school, where they learned to be clever, Ezekiel assumed. And they were all rich. Gumby Lawrence said they all had fucking pools in their backyard. Ezekiel had been taught early on to hate the rich, but to always realize that they were probably more clever than you and to just do what they say because they're probably going to get what they want anyway, so it's better to not fight it and potentially lose everything, including your pride, along the way. It's what happened to his father and his father's father. The rich bankrupted them both. That's another reason why the chance got to him. Come on, y'all now, let's go ahead and get his last out. What do you say, boys? Yelled Beans Beans to rally the infield. Ezekiel winced. Two down! Ezekiel echoed, holding the two horns up to heaven with relief. Thank you, God, for two down. The best two words in the English language, as far as Ezekiel was concerned. Both on that particular sunny afternoon of his childhood and, as it turned out, through his entire baseball career. Two down meant Ezekiel didn't have to turn a double play. He liked to imagine those two words meant his butterfeet had melted. Hopper struck out the Orange Peel's final batter, ending the inning and the Peel's hopes for a win against the best team in the league, Ezekiel's team, the Olives. Final score, Olives 4, Orange Peel's 3. After the game, Ezekiel, Gumby, and Beans Beans walked home together. The hot topic of conversation was how this win put the Olives on top of the Maryville Martini League at the halfway point of the season. The standings looked like this. Olives, 9 wins and 4 losses. Orange Peels, 8 wins and 5 losses. Lemon Twists, 8 wins and 5 losses. Gins, 6 wins and 7 losses. Vermouths, 3 wins and 2 losses. And Cocktail Glasses in last place with 1 win and 12 losses. The teams were named after martini ingredients because the local Little League was named the Maryville Martini League. This was because Ezekiel lived in what his parents called a progressive part of town. And they had parties after every game with the parents from the other teams where they would sip martinis and do what it was that parents do. Together. Kids were not allowed. Instead, Ezekiel would often stay home and organize his figurines. Ezekiel would later grow up to understand that he was in a little league for kids of swinger parents. Which was definitely progressive, in a way. If we just bowl 500 from here on out, we'll probably win the league said Gumby, flapping his toothless mouth unselfconsciously. He lost all his teeth eating rocks as a child. It's how he got his nickname. I don't want to go 500. I want to win them all. Followed up the ever-positive, though slightly dim, Beans Beans. He was dumb as a legume, but could fart at will, which is how he got his nickname. Also a possible reason Beans Beans' father liked Ezekiel more than Beans Beans. Ezekiel never farted. Like, never Ezekiel's parents were actually worried about the lack of farting, as well as Ezekiel's obsession with his figurines. But Ezekiel's pediatrician said he's more worried about Ezekiel not being vaccinated. But if we're going to win enough, Ezekiel, you have to get better at turning double plays, said Gumby after he put his post-game dentures back in. No offense. Ezekiel felt horrible. He had always been the best player on any team he played on and he desperately wanted to grow up to be a Major League Baseball player. But, more than anything, he didn't want to disappoint his friends. I'll work on it, 
Ezekiel mumbled with his head down in shame. He could rip Gumby's dentures out right now if it wasn't for the cops staring at them from the curb. The boys hated cops. Hi, Officer Dingbat! The three boys yelled toward Officer Jim Dingball, Maryville's dumbest and only deputy. Dingball swung his head around abruptly at the sound of the boys' insult chorus. Huh? Flinging his police hat off his head. Then he bent over to pick the hat up and split his pants, exposing his red polka dot boxer shorts that then also split, exposing his bare, pimple-pocked butt cheeks. The officer arched his back to look behind him to see the split and lost his balance falling into the yard he was standing by where a big old St. Bernard dog just dropped a huge pile of wet turds. Face planting on the turds meant dog shit was covering his eyes which blurred Dingball's vision enough to give the boys time to run. Freeze! screamed Dingball, mouth half full of dog shit that was dripping off his eyes every time he blinked. Whoever said that? Freeze! By order of a deputy in representation of the town of Maryville's police chief and commissioner. The boys were two whole blocks away by the time dumb old dingballs got the last word out. Some hot and wet St. Bernard turd dirt flinging everywhere in tune with the emphasis of the officer's every objection. Still running but at half speed now, the three friends felt the summer sun on their salty faces and knew... This is what being a kid was all about. Playing baseball together. Working out problems together. And yeah, even getting into some trouble. But always together. The summer was halfway over, but it felt like that summer would last forever. As long as Ezekiel could figure out how to turn a double play. Step, swirl, step, throw. It was that easy. And Ezekiel was gonna get it. Someday. Maybe. Chapter 2. Let's get you smothered. Thwack! The wet and worn leather of the second baseman's glove slammed against the concrete back wall of the dugout and fell to the dirt floor in a small cloud of dust. The fifteen or so rugged and worn faces sitting on the bench hardly took notice. Glove throwing had become a ritual in the AAA Maryville Metropolitan's dugout this season. As unnoteworthy as their catcher's sore joints or the tobacco wad in their manager, Diamond Casey Rosewater's left cheek. Stanton, pick up your fucking glove, you dumb bitch. Manager Diamond Casey Rosewater slurred out. You're gonna need it when we take these numb nuts to extra innings. Ezekiel Stanton, now a 36-year-old, full-grown adult minor league baseball player, reluctantly bent over and picked up his tattered mitt. Ezekiel had just spent the top of the ninth inning trying to turn a double play to end the game, and instead tripped and threw the ball over the first baseman's head, into the right field bleachers. At least he got the throw off this time. Ezekiel's teammates weren't exactly pleased with him, but they also were long past being angry or criticizing him. This is who Ezekiel Stanton was. An over-the-hill, minor league second baseman who'd be in the major leagues right now making millions of dollars if he could only turn a goddamn double play. Oh yeah, Ezekiel was also a divorcee, hadn't gotten laid in more than a year, and a certified grump. That summer of fun he had as a 12-year-old, playing Little League baseball and running from cops covered in dog shit, was the last one he remembered enjoying. A distant memory. He hardly ever thought about it. Ezekiel hardly ever thought about anything. Well, anything except his figurines. 
After picking up his glove, Ezekiel grabbed his bat and took his place on the top step of the dugout next to his manager, Diamond Casey Rosewater. The manager had gotten the nickname Diamond because he was always on the baseball field, and baseball fields are shaped like diamonds. Ironically, Diamond Casey Rosewater hated jewelry. Now someone who loved jewelry, incidentally, and had spent almost all of Ezekiel's signing bonus out of college on it, was Ezekiel's ex-wife, Tracy. Tracy Palisades. Blind. Legs. Tracy Palisades. It took all of his mental strength to focus on his at-bat. Ezekiel would almost definitely have a chance to tie this game up, or even win it. Ezekiel Stanton has plenty of bat. That's what the scouts always say about him. Great approach, plus contact, and more than average pop for a middle infielder, the scouts also said. And while Ezekiel didn't have the arm to move to third base or the tall frame to play first, he had more than enough quickness and wide glove side range in the field. But, and that was the word that vexed Ezekiel from his Little League days to now, but, Ezekiel had but ter feet. The same phrase opposing Little League teams used to taunt him with was highlighted and underlined on his professional baseball scouting report. Ezekiel couldn't turn the double play. Still, and that's a problem if you want to play in the majors. In the minors, it was less of a problem and more of an 800-pound gorilla hanging ass on Ezekiel's back 24-7-365. In the batter's box now, Ezekiel dug in and took two straight curveballs in the dirt. The pitcher clearly couldn't locate his breaking pitches worth shit, so Ezekiel knew to sit and wait on the big fat fastball dripping with stinky cheddar that was about to come right down Broadway. Whiz pow! Frozen rope to the gap. Ezekiel just tied the game and theoretically made up for his earlier throwing error with an RBI double. Standing on second base and hardly cracking a smile though, Ezekiel knew tying a meaningless AAA game in July wouldn't get him the call up to the big leagues that he's dreamed of ever since his little league days as an olive. Back then, he was so sure his butterfeet problems would just work themselves out. Fast forward a couple decades and his butterfeet have directly led to three separate therapists, his divorce with Tracy Palisades, a certain highly spreadable sexual fetish, and a negative attitude that keeps friends, coaches, and mentors at arm's length. Unable to relate to, get close to, or have patience with other people has led Ezekiel into a desperate tailspin of loneliness and depression as he approaches middle age and the theoretical end to his baseball career. Standing on second base waiting for a new opposing pitcher to come in from the bullpen, Ezekiel silently cursed his butterfeet for the billionth time in his life. Fuck these things, he said under his breath toward his shoes. Fuck butter, fuck feet, fuck me. I'm unlovable. Changing after the game, Ezekiel found a handwritten message in his locker from the only guy in town that he still hangs out with from time to time, an old teammate from rookie ball named Jake. Ezekiel and Jake weren't friends so much as they were concierges for each other's vices. Ezekiel drove Jake to the horse track two towns over because Jake had been banned from the more local tracks for attempting to feed the horses Hims brand testosterone pills. In return, Jake accommodates trips for Ezekiel to the underground secret sex club in town. Fully dressed and just staring at his locker after the game, Ezekiel glanced at the note from Jake again. You up for stuff? It read. Ezekiel knew exactly where he was headed that night. Fast forward to 1 o'clock in the morning and Ezekiel is getting led into a single room in the town's secret sex club where he's about to pay for sex. Or a type of sex. It's an extra 60 for the feet. Is what Ezekiel hears whispered into a sweaty ear. Of course. 
Ezekiel whispers back as he slides halfway off the bed to reach for something in his pants pocket. Everyone in the house knows what's up. Ezekiel had been there before. Ezekiel grabs a wad of money from one pocket and a yellow stick of unsalted Kroger brand butter from the other. Let's get you smothered, Ezekiel heard, a hand grabbing a chunk of the half-melted butter stick. Ezekiel's gaze was intense but fixed at the wall as he felt cool and soft butter coat the soles of his feet. He could finally relax. After a day of feeling nothing but disappointment, alienation, and failure, he felt nothing. Finally, the world seemed to smooth over, slow down, and welcome him in a warm, golden, post-dawn sunshine. He could feel himself come, slowly, somehow, with the smallest sigh imaginable. Chapter 3, An All-Time Low Ezekiel's head was splitting as he walked into the clubhouse before the next night's game. He ended up getting home from the sex club around 7 a.m., his mind swirling, his feet clean as a whistle, and his pockets empty. Ezekiel was going to have to snap out of it, though. It was a Friday night home game, which meant the biggest crowd of the week and the biggest number of pro scouts in the stands. Ezekiel hasn't read the sports section in years, but he couldn't avoid hearing the news that the New York Mets second baseman just went down with a torn labrum in his throwing shoulder. That meant the Mets need a second baseman, and Ezekiel is technically a second baseman. In the not-too-distant past, this kind of opening would light a fire under Ezekiel and invigorate him to play his best that night and dream little boy dreams of playing in a Major League Baseball stadium. He'd start imagining being on the phone with his parents, telling them he just got called up to the big leagues. His dad would whisper, The show longingly, and Ezekiel would be able to hear his old man hold back tears. He'd also hear his mom shouting for joy, screaming to the neighbors, who were probably in his parents' kitchen too, sipping coffee in their bathrobes after spending the night. My boy's in the show! Ezekiel's mom would screech joyfully, and the four sixty-something swingers would cheer and hug and do whatever it is they do. Ezekiel played out that fantasy so many times in his head, he can picture specifically what his parents are wearing and where they're standing in the kitchen and what the neighbors looked like nude after shedding their robes in reaction to the news. But if Ezekiel learned anything in his 15 years of minor league baseball, it's that nothing goes the way you picture it. And everything sucks. On top of everything else, just as Ezekiel left the clubhouse to make his way to the field for the game, he found another note in his locker. This time from his ex-wife, Tracy Palisades. That read simply, you're in so much trouble. Ezekiel didn't know what that trouble might be, but he had a few guesses. He tried to ignore it and leave it for after the game, but not surprisingly, it stuck with him through the first few innings. Ezekiel wasn't sure, but Tracy Palisades might have found out about how he spends all of his non-feet-buttering money on dragon figurines. And that's the real reason he's four months late on alimony payments. For as long as he could remember, Ezekiel liked to buy little figurines, none more than four inches tall, of dragons. Other than baseball, it's been the thing he's loved most since childhood. His dragons are depicted in all sorts of ways. From the classic lizardy, fire-breathing kind you've read about in The Hobbit, to more abstract interpretations of dragons. Dragons in the Chinese, Welsh, and Nordic traditions. And also dragons with huge dongs and badges. 
Ezekiel always kept his dragon collection a secret from Tracy Palisades when they were together, only daring to put out one or two of his smallest and most conservative dragons on his bedside table. He told Tracy Palisades at the time that they were good luck and reminded him to play like a dragon on the baseball field, even though that sounds stupid and doesn't make any sense, really. But it seemed like she believed him because she never brought the dragons up again. But Tracy Palisades might have found his secret classified ads in the paper where Ezekiel buys, sells, and shows off high-res pictures of all of his dragons. And since the dragon figurines with huge, anatomically correct, dripping wet dongs and vages get the most traction, sure, he tends to post those in the ads more frequently and with the highest res the paper is willing to publish them at. If Tracy Palisades found out how much Ezekiel spent on small dragon figurines instead of paying alimony, then yes, indeed, he would be in trouble. With the courts. So Ezekiel was definitely preoccupied with pondering why Tracy Palisades left him a note that said he's in big trouble. Preoccupation didn't help him do the thing he struggled with his entire baseball career. The one thing keeping him from impressing the Major League Scouts, and the one thing that paints him as a failure in life to everyone who has ever loved him. Turning a double play with his butter feet. Through the fifth inning, the game had been mostly uneventful. Ezekiel was one for three with a bloop double down the opposite field line and had made an impressive rangy play on a line drive smashed to his glove side. Despite the solid effort, Ezekiel had trouble getting too excited about the Major League Scouts and couldn't get his mind off the note. He was more worried about his dragons, especially the dragons with dicks and twats. If he was being honest, those were his favorite dragons and they were worth a lot of money. And he didn't want to have to sell them to pay Tracy Palisades. Which he definitely would have to if that's what Tracy Palisades was talking about when she said he was in big trouble. Before the start of the sixth inning, Ezekiel told Diamond Casey Rosewater that he had to dump out real quick in the clubhouse bathroom. But what he was really doing was going to call Tracy Palisades on the clubhouse phone to figure out what she was referring to. Once back in the clubhouse, Ezekiel dialed the number and without even saying hello, Tracy Palisades confirmed his fears. Those dragons are mine. My lawyer will be in touch. Tracy Palisades whispered ominously and hung up. This was it. The one thing that brought joy into Ezekiel's life. Small dragon figurines with anatomically correct human-like but cartoonishly exaggerated penises and vaginas would have to be sold to make his alimony payments. It was either that or jail. And there was no way he was going to be able to do his buttering the feet fetish in prison. Probably. At least not the way he liked to do it. Ezekiel sat with his head in his hands in front of his locker. This was an all-time low. Chapter 4. Step, Swirl, Step, Throw. That's all you need to know. Ezekiel left the clubhouse and got back up to the dugout at the absolute last second. Diamond Casey Rosewater slapped his ass, goading him into sprinting out to take his place at second base for the sixth inning. He had no time to take any practice grounders from the first baseman as the leadoff hitter was already digging into the batter's box. Ezekiel's mind was a blur of small figurines and Tracy Palisades and fire breathing and dollar signs and veiny ceramic dragon hogs. Before he knew it, The leadoff man had walked and the pitcher was delivering a diving sinker to the second batter of the inning. And wouldn't you know it, 
Thwink. A grounder to the shortstop. Ezekiel hardly realized what he was doing as he made his way over to second base. The thought occurred to him that maybe he could pick up a job driving a taxi cab so he wouldn't have to sell his favorite dragons. He'd definitely have to sell most of his dragons, though. Ezekiel caught the shortstop's throw mechanically at the exact instant he tapped second base. He could also try working at a restaurant. Ezekiel had no experience, but... Cooking sounded fun. Out of the corner of his eye, Ezekiel noticed the base runner was sliding at his ankles and with visions of his empty bank account, a fire-breathing ex-wife, and more extremely detailed renderings of humanoid pussies and peters still dominating his thoughts, he stepped out of the way of the lead runner, swirled his leg around, stepped toward first base, and threw a perfect strike to complete the double play. The stadium was silent. Ezekiel was still a million miles away. Maybe he could become a sex worker himself to pay off his alimony. He certainly had the connections. Hushed whispering began in the stands, and then from the dugout. The murmur grew for a few moments, and then, all of a sudden, a release. The crowd went wild. He did it. Ezekiel turned a double play. He was so confused. It was almost as if Ezekiel had to try hard to remember what just happened. Like he might try to remember a car crash you caused many years ago. He tried to remember each element while also wondering what the hell he was thinking to make it happen. Did he miss the brake pedal? Did he swerve too far right? No. He simply did what all second basemen did without thinking every time they turned to DP. Step, swirl, step throw. Is it possible it was this easy the whole time? Is it possible he was finished slipping and stumbling? Is it possible after an entire career, Ezekiel finally lost his butterfeet? His teammates merrily threw the ball around the horn and enthusiastically stuck up the double horns with their pointers and pinkies to indicate two down in the inning. Ezekiel held a blank expression. He was still stunned as he leaned against his knees with one bare and one gloved hand. What happened to my butterfeet? After the game ended, the clubhouse was rowdy. The Maryville Metropolitans won 5 to nothing, and Friday night wins were always more fun because there were more fans and something to celebrate when they inevitably went to have a few drinks at a local bar. Ezekiel was still in shock as he sat in front of his locker, almost oblivious to the back slaps and hair ruffling his teammates were giving him for turning that key double play in the sixth. Manager wants to see you, said the old grizzled bench coach to Ezekiel, who had picked up Tracy Palisades. Note from before, remembering how it had doomed him an hour and a half ago. The note that made him certain he'd have to sell his dragons. The note that made him want to shoot his brains out. Hey, Stanton, get the shit out of your ears and get your fat, dumb ass into the manager's office. Fucking stat, bitch. Sure thing, coach. Ezekiel replied, trying to shake it all off. He slowly walked to Diamond, Casey Rosewater's office, thinking of anything but baseball. He was thinking about how maybe his manager might be willing to buy Ezekiel's less beloved dragons at a huge markup, because he might feel sorry for Ezekiel. Was he really about to try and con his manager into overpaying for his least cool and least valuable dragon figurines? Usually Ezekiel was only called into the manager's office to watch tape or be scolded for wearing old, unwashed uniforms to games. But this time... He could tell things were different. The manager was... smiling. Hey, Coach Diamond. I was wondering if I could interest you in a few very rare dragon figurines. Ezekiel Stanton, you got the call up. You're gonna be a major leaguer, son. Now, these figurines are priceless. Wait. What? Chapter 5. The Show 
Ezekiel paused before he took his first step into the New York Mets clubhouse. He was there a whole hour earlier than he was told to be, just because he couldn't wait at the hotel any longer. His whole life, Ezekiel dreamed of this moment, from his first baseball games as an olive back on those old dusty ball fields. Joking around with beans, beans, and gumby, running from cops and making them split their pants and then their underwear. It all led to this one moment of triumph in a life defined by disappointment and unfulfilled potential. It was finally happening. And not for nothing. After the game, Ezekiel was set to receive his first Major League game check, which would cover Tracy's back alimony with enough left for the end of the year. He planned to just give Tracy Palisades all of it. All the money she wants. He didn't need anything more than this moment. His time as a Major League Baseball player. And, of course, his dragons. He wouldn't have to sell a single one of them after all. Ezekiel couldn't help it. He cried right there. (laughs) on the New York Mets clubhouse doorstep. Ezekiel brought his two favorite dragon figurines with him, and when he sat in front of his locker, he decided, what the hell? I'm a major leaguer now. I can put whatever I want in my locker. So the first thing Ezekiel put on the empty shelf was his two favorite dragons. They stood three inches high, one with a veiny, dripping wet hog dangling all the way down past his green-scaled knees, and the other with a bulbous flowering and also dripping wet snatch. These two dragons were definitive proof, the only thing that made Ezekiel finally realize he deserved to be there. Ezekiel was already dressed and ready to head out to the field for warm-ups when his new teammates began filing into the locker room around him. Hey, Butterfeet. Butterfeet. Welcome to the majors. Look at you. Butterfeet. Look at hey, you. Butterfeet. You made What's it to up? the show. What's up, Butterfeet? It was the old nickname that haunted him all these years, but now repurposed ironically. He didn't have butterfeet, or at least he no longer was ashamed of his specific struggles relating to his butterfeet. He embraced them as part of the entire package that was him, a flawed but beautiful and worthwhile man. He was finally whole and proud of being a human with challenges successfully conquered to become who he was today. They all smiled and slapped Ezekiel's ass with sincere congratulations. The brotherhood of Major League Baseball players welcoming their newest member. Wait, Butterfeet, what are those things? Said a teammate, leaning toward Ezekiel. In your locker, on the shelf. Yeah, Butterfeet, what are those dragons with... Genitals? Look, that one has nuts. And that one has lips. A small group of teammates started crowding around now, laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Ezekiel immediately blushed. He was the new guy, so he knew the other players would razz him for something, but there seemed to be a lot of laughter and pointing, and some guys were laughing so hard they were crying. Yeah, rookie, who are you? Some kind of a, like, uh, uh, um... What can we call you? Like, uh, um, oh, oh, I got it. Uh, oh, oh, wait. Oh, no, thought Ezekiel. This was it. Some kind of new nickname that will cut to his insecure core and haunt him for the next 24 years of his life, if he even lived that long. Maybe it was time to blow his brains out. Oh, yeah. Are you some kind of Dragon Balls Zeke kind of guy? You know, like your name, Ezekiel, and the dragon? With his balls, a chant started. Yeah. Dragon, Dragon Ball Zeke. Zeke. Dragon Ball Zeke. Zeke. The new guy's nickname is Dragon Ball Zeke. A roar of laughter from the entire clubhouse. Ezekiel could tell this wasn't just rookie hazing. They were making fun of him and his dragons. There was one thing about him separating him from everyone else. He was an outsider. An other. Again. 
Later, during the game, the first major league game of Ezekiel's life, the Mets manager had him pinch hit and then double switched him into the second base position for the start of the seventh inning. Ezekiel hit a loud single against the left field wall for his first major league hit. When they got the ball that he got his first hit with back into the dugout, some of the players drew big fat dragon wangs all over it. Ezekiel spent the entire game so embarrassed. Why didn't he just keep the figurines in his bag? Why did he think he could show the world who he actually was without getting hurt? Is this worse than Butterfeet? Would he ever be accepted and loved? By the bottom of the ninth inning, the game had gotten close. It was 5-4 to four Mets, but the Braves had a runner on first and one out. Ezekiel was sweating, but not because of a potential double play. It barely registered that he might have to turn two in an actual Major League Baseball game. No, he was sweating because of the Dragons. He had been having trouble concentrating on the game because his teammates and coaches and virtually everyone he interacted with in the Mets organization had been making fun of him all day for his Dragons. And it got to the point where he was afraid that one of the clubbies might take his two favorite figurines and either steal them or deface them in some way. Ezekiel couldn't help but keep looking into the dugout for any sign of someone sneaking back to the clubhouse to take his dragons. What if he had to replace them? Was that even possible? Or if they broke or got mangled in some way? He bought those two dragons custom from an artisan who died last year trying to swat down a beehive from a tree outside his bedroom window. The artisan swung a broom, missed, and fell out of his window onto his head, killing him instantly and making Ezekiel's two dragons irreplaceable. Ezekiel would die without those dragons. His mind swirled with scenarios of loss and emptiness and heartache, and before he knew it, thwack! The batted baseball skidded across the infield like a wet pine cone on ice. The Mets shortstop had to reach across his body and was able to stab the ball into his glove. But to throw, he had to make a 360-degree twirl. Ezekiel raced to second base instinctively while visions of mangled, stolen, or in some way altered dragon figurines danced in his head. Their smooth green scales, yellow underbelly, throbbing members, and flaring nostrils swirled in his vision as he saw the baseball spinning toward him. By the time he caught the ball, Ezekiel was reciting a whispered prayer. Lord, please, he took a step. Save, then a twirl. My, he took another step. Dragons! And he threw it. A perfect strike to the first baseman. You're out of here! Cried the ump. The game was over. What just happened? Ezekiel whispered to himself. 40,000 Mets fans screaming their heads off, reveling in a rare win against their rival, the Braves. And it was all because of Ezekiel, the new Mets second baseman, turning a flawless double play. As Ezekiel shook his head clear of distractions, he was finally in the moment on the field. His infield teammates gathered around him, slapping his dirty ass and congratulating him. Before he knew it, the crowd was no longer just clapping and screaming. They were chanting. Glancing back at the dugout, Ezekiel saw the Mets star center fielder up on the top step leading the crowd in a chant. Forty thousand baseball fans were chanting for him, and not because they were on the opposing team and were happy he tripped over his butter feet trying to turn a double play, and not because they thought he was a freak loser with despicable hobbies. They were chanting for him because he did turn the double play, and because he wasn't afraid to show the world who he really was. A guy who collected miniature dragon figurines that sometimes had anatomically correct human genitalia. The tears flowed down his cheek and Ezekiel hid his face in his glove. He walked off the field slowly, soaking in the chance, soaking in the love that he'd yearned for since being an innocent little leaguer. 
Ezekiel spent the first 36 years of his life being the second baseman with Butterfeet, and now he was destined to spend his remaining years as a major league baseball player who liked collecting pornographic dragon figurines. And, well, Ezekiel couldn't be happier about that. Second Baseman Has Butterfeet was written, directed, and produced by Ben Wheatmartian and is a product of the Boards Podcast Productions, featuring Kelly Hudson as Doc Cox and read by Ben Wheatmartian, who won a contest in Dorks Magazine. Executive produced by Ben Wheatmartian, Ashley Chavez, and Harrison P. Pants. To get in touch with the creator, email benwheatmartian at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.